Welcome to the Pharma Sales and Tech Podcast. Join Artem, Stefan, Ruslan, and Chris as we explore the latest trends and developments in the pharmaceutical industry with a focus on sales and technology. From cutting-edge innovations to practical tips and strategies, our expert guests will provide valuable insights to help you stay ahead of the game. Tune in to stay informed, inspired, and connected with the world of pharma sales. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Stefan again from Platforms, and we are with the Pharma Sales and Tech Podcast, and we have an amazing guest here. His name is Martin. He comes all over from the Netherlands. Martin is the CEO and co-owner of OptinSight, but I think he'll be able to give a better explanation of what he is and what he does himself. Welcome, Martin. Thank you very much, Stefan, for this invitation for this podcast. I have to be honest, this is my first podcast, so let's see what it brings. I'm very excited to do it. Yeah, thank you for the introduction. My name is Martijn van der Corporate. I'm one of the co-founders of OptinSight. And shortly, OptInsight is a company that helps pharmaceuticals to improve the communication with GPs. And our focus in that improvement is on data, on mm-hmm. HP data. Mm-hmm. We help them actually to collect the data, to manage the data and also integrate the data. Mm-hmm. Of course, with the aim to build a trusted relationship because that is very important. And that's also our philosophy. Mm-hmm. And that they're able to, 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 yeah, to send the right message to the right person based on the right legal basis. And that are, of course, a nice engagement mm-hmm. with the HEP. Okay. You know, I am very curious. Like, what, how did you guys, this consent management in HCPs, it's like very like, niche again, even if it's pharma. Yeah. So how did you come to specialize in consent management? Like what? What was the driving force? Yeah, that's a good question. This always starts with a kind of, yeah, I think frustration. We are with three founders. And actually, when we founded the company end of 2018, we saw and we still see that a lot of companies and people just communicate, send emails to people Mm -hmm. without knowing what their needs are, but also not being transparent how they got the data from a person, from you or from me. Okay. And we said, okay, this is not what we want. We want to create transparency. We want to build, well, trusted relationships. And we say, okay, if you look to the offline world, it's very common to start a dialogue with people about their needs and what they want and what they don't want. And based on that, you can bring them value, like content or leaf piece or have a dialogue about how you can solve their issues or help them. And what you see in the digital world is that often data is used as it is, okay, I grab the data and send them emails without knowing what they want. And of course, GDPR came in place in 2018 and consent is one of the legal bases you are obliged to use when you want to promote your services or products. Mm -hmm. So we said it can't be that it is a mechanism for sales prevention because everybody, every company has the right to sell its products, of course. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, we saw it also as an opportunity to create transparency and that it's a sign of building trust with your uh, target group. 
So mm-hmm. we said, okay, let's bring together the commercial principles, but also the compliance principles in one solution where you actually can ask for consent, store it in a way, manage it in a way which is compliant, but also in a way that it's commercial effective. For example, to combine it with asking for preferences. So building that relationship based on what, in this case, an HCP wants and not what you want as a pharmaceutical company. It's about the doctor. Correct. Once, again, this is a bit off topic, but I used to work for the project for a company who they were preventing, you know, stolen data from, from companies. And they came with statistics that over 70% of the data that comes, that, corpora- that corporations have, like emails and so on, it gets spread without like consent. So basically yeah. they had a tool which would prevent, which would tell you how many other companies have stolen that email or that yeah. data from others. Very, very important part. Yeah. How would you like say that, how important would you say that is the constant management in, specifically in clinical trials, for example? I have to say that if we look to our company, we are more focusing on the promotional part and less on the clinical part. Mm-hmm. But in the clinical part, you also talk about consent of patients, but that's not our focus. Okay. Our focus is more on the digital communication relationship between the pharmaceutical and HCPs regards their commercial efforts to promote their products and treatments and medicines. Which brings you to the next point. Okay, so I've, I know you're on LinkedIn and you know I've read some of your content. Can you elaborate on the concept of customer data-driven commerce in the context of pharma and how was the difference between that and traditional commercial strategies? Yeah, well, I elaborate a little bit already more in the introduction of this podcast. In the history, you had only the offline world. Okay. So there wasn't any data. So you did business between people. Yeah. And if they trusted you, you got a deal or not, or you bought a product or not, or you bought a service or not. And I think the most commercial effective companies were the people that could build trust. So showing genuine interest in the people, what their challenges were, what they really need, and based on that, bring value to the person. So the client perceived that she said, he or she said, okay, this is what I want. And I think these principles are still valid in the digital world. What I often see is that a lot of people look to data and say, okay, these are the conclusions. This is what a customer wants without having a dialogue or interaction yeah. with a potential customer. And it's it often gets wrong there because you assume a lot without having a true conversation with, with the potential client or with your client. Mm-hmm. So what I often say is data, customer data is really important. You can build up a lot of data and profiles and data points of people, but always ask questions to people to validate if this is what they want and if this is what they need, but also is this accurate? Is this still up to date? So always combine data with human interaction. That's my point. Yeah, I think, you know, data can be treated and mistreated, you know. And yeah. It's important not only like that there is data, but how you sort of like treat it, you know, like how what, yeah. what insight you get from, from data. Yeah. Which brings me like sort of to the next question. So what, what do you think are the common misconceptions companies have about collecting and using data from like HCPs? 
misconceptions. I think it's in line with where we talked about. I think that there are a lot of assumptions about the data that they have from HEPs. But what I see is that the real interactions mm-hmm. about the data and about what they really need and what the doctor wants, in this case, how his data is used, for what purposes, and also what she wants to receive back from the pharmaceutical, that's often a missing link. I think it's rather statical and it's not... What you often see is, okay, we have an opt-in or we have an opt-in with an email address. Let's start sending some leaf pieces. Yeah, okay. Without knowing what content does the HEP, this particular HP really needs to do his or her work better regards the treatment of patients. That's where it's all about. So you want to have not only sort of personalization, but relevancy, right? So you want to be relevant to the HCP first of all. That's exactly, you can have a lot of data, but how you do you make it relevant for the owner of the data? And that's the main question. And of course, you have to be compliant. You have to have consent. But after you got the consent, the engagement really starts. And that starts with how can I be relevant And that's not only based on the data, but also based on the interaction you have. Ask questions to a doctor about what he needs, he really needs, and not assume that you think, okay, let's send him a white paper and hopefully he clicks on it and it's relevant for him. That's great. You know, like one thing of what, you know, sales professionals do is like giving, doing a discovery call and giving qualifying questions, right? You go deeper and you dig deeper into like customer needs. And for us in pharma, this is customers are, you know, HCPs. So we sort of like, I think this part is because again, salespeople often, they look into what if that person wants to buy, but they don't look into like deeper decision-making, you know? So they skip a lot of the discovery phases, which are really crucial and they've been done, you know? And then, you know, you skip that part, you skip another part. And then in the end, the data you're sharing is not insightful. You're not bringing anything to the table. And then yeah. you're, you're wondering why it's not interesting. Why is that interesting? Who is the pro- is it the product? Is it something else? You know, that's the thing I see very often happening in pharma, for example. And it, 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 of course, it is a complicated relationship eh, between pharma and HEPs because you can directly promote, once it's prescriptive, your treatments or medicines yeah. directly to patients. So mm-hmm. it's a difficult game, but that's also the reason that you have to be very careful and well taught about how you have HEPs and that you put them really in the middle of what they want, what they need. And that's, I think that's a challenge and it's even more a challenge because now a lot of pharmaceuticals are making steps in digital communication in omni-channel communication and they're searching for, are we going to do that? Mm. How is it perceived what we do and how or do we orchestrate all these data? Because that's also a question. I have this uh, thought. So because we have multiple departments managing all this data, right? Like, so there should be a, ideally a collaboration between yeah. Google, business intelligence, commerce, IT, yeah. in managing that. How would you say, what are the best practices you've seen? Because you are obviously yeah. very experienced in that. What are the best practices on enhancing this collaboration, making, improving it? <laughs> Yeah, I think you already give the answer because <laughs> yeah, it's an obvious one. But if you, let's take the transformation to more digital and using data to serve your HEPs better. Mm-hmm. I think you, you can buy a system, you can buy more systems, you can collect more data, you can have more sales reps, you can do everything. But the main success factor in the best engagement 
with your doctors, with your HUPs, also in a digital environment, is starting to bring together the departments of commerce, of privacy, of IT, of omnichannel experience, because you have to build a strategy how to engage with them. And you need all these departments. Mm-hmm. And I think I forgot also some other departments, but my main point is bring together different disciplines to make a strategy to, yeah, to create the most, uh, the best excitement for your target group. And yes, the privacy team has to say something about how you collect data. The commercial department have to say, okay, what is the best effective and commercial way to grow the turnover? The omni-channel team has to say something about, okay, what channels are we going to use and what channels are used by doctors so we can use the right channels to engage with them. That's that's a joint play. That's a team play. Oh, yeah, very much, right? They have to stay on the same team, right? And that's often, I worked before I started OptInsight, I worked also in the financial services industry and the management consultants industry. And I see the same struggles because it only works if you work together. That makes the the best foundation for transforming to a more data-driven company. As they say, there is no I in team, right? So... Yeah, exactly. It's I know it's a struggle because if you're used to work in separate silos and somebody says, okay, we put now the HP in the center of our company, that's a nice expression, but it's in a practical way, it's quite difficult because you have to learn that people in the organization have to work together instead of only doing the thing where they're hired for. Exactly. I'm just thinking, what are like some practical ways maybe to prevent like data being scattered across like CRMs, ERPs and so on? Like maybe having a single source of truth for customer data, maybe there is something out there. If you look to that, eh, of course, a single source of truth prevents from having you in the future scattered data. That's of course very important. And you can do that with bringing all the channels and applications back to one the data that's in there back to one single source of truth. But if we elaborate more on also the organization side, what I see and what I learned is that it's very good to have common, how you say it, team KPIs. Mm, Okay. So that you're not saying, okay, the privacy offers only accountable for how well we doing in compliance, but also that you say, okay, the only channel director or the customer experience director has also a KPI on privacy, but also that you say, okay, the privacy officer has to be aware of the fact that you not can avoid that there could be mistakes around data protection, knowing that you also have to be very customer focused to say that you you can ask a lot about data and you can let fill in a lot of forms by the HCP, but then the customer experience is away. So you have to find a balance between compliance in this case, but also in customer experience. So what we always discuss also with our clients, make a trade-off between what is effective and what is efficient but also what is compliant again question here then uh, like being compliant it's important but also i think it's important to give like the right like value to people when you know when they yeah. give out their data so how would you see it like in practice like what sort of value can we give out to hcps in exchange for their data what works out in the field yeah of course uh, it starts always that you are very aware of what are the capabilities of your company why are you so good and why is your treatment so good and is it uh, scientifical is it well is it clinically well so you have to be 
very keen on what are your capabilities of your company and how does it is it compared with your competitors the second thing is okay is having the interaction with your target group asking them okay what is important for them to doing their job and if you know that then you have to align with your capabilities so if you are very good in a certain therapy area where you have a lot of scientific evidence for And that's also the need from a specific doctor. Then you see that the need and the capabilities are overlapping. And then we always say there is the sweet spot. Mm -hmm. And the sweet spot is there where the capabilities of a pharma company meet the needs of the doctor. And if you are there, then the fun starts because then you are relevant. Uh, I can say you have to do webinars or publications, but that's the fulfillment. It's about the concept which I was describing, that's that's the concept you need to use. And that's always where also the start is from the, getting the consent. What we often see is that we get questions also from clients that say, can you just collect some opt-ins? And we say, okay, but we're not going to do that. And why not? Because you have to answer a couple of questions. Why do you want to approach this ECP? What are you going to bring for value? That kind of questions you have to answer first before you're just asking for opt-ins because that's not how it works. You don't ask just permission for not knowing what you're going to bring. You know, there is a term in marketing, it's called advanced customer profiling. So basically before, you know, like talking about a piece of value you provide them. So before you start sending people value sort of like try to qualify the person and like sort of try to understand what information is this person going to be interested in right so when they opt in you have one part which is very important is the consent and part number two answer is like what sort of value can they bring on the table and that's where the questionnaires can help maybe like some quizzes can help which will help you like you know sort of prioritize and profile the customer and put it in a specific bucket based on what needs are there, you know? Yeah, exactly. And that's important. Like that's equally important with the consent. Okay. I have the consent, but what can I send them? You don't know again. Yeah. Right? And I think both of these are important. Yeah. I have a question. Like we've spoken about consent. So how do you see the future of like consent management? Because, and maybe there are some emerging technologies that you want to you are like very excited about like GPT-4, for example, or something. Yeah, of course, that are uh, very interesting technologies. But answering your question first, how do you see the future of consent management? Yeah. I think consent management will be more and more important in other industries also than the pharmaceutical and life science industry. That's for sure for me. Mm-hmm. Because I think that everybody is getting more keen on with which people and which companies do I share my data. Mm-hmm. And what do I get back from these companies? I think everybody has the frustration that you every day you got emails from people that are not relevant and also that you say, okay, how do they got my data? So I think consent management will be more and more important for a lot of industries. But I think the compliance part is quite clear how it works. Mm-hmm. The GDPR is quite clear about how you have to collect consent, how you capture consent how you show and prove that you are accountable for the data. But I think that, yeah, the most important is that people are getting more and more aware of with which people I'm going to share my data. And consent is a great mechanism for that. 
because you can decide on who I give, who do I give my, my data instead of that a lot of companies are deciding that they own the data and they say, okay, I take legitimate interest as legal ground. So I just sending emails and I don't see that this the future. Consent will be the future, not in all, in everything, because you have also public data and like the data you get out of AI application, that kind of things. So that's what I see. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it makes perfect sense for me. I just have a few more like final questions. Yeah. One of them is like through your work with OptumSight, maybe you can share some examples of where effective like constant management like led to commercial success or yeah. had some success. Yeah. What we actually do is what I already said in my introductions, we help pharmaceutical in collecting data, in the managing and integrating, because that's the whole journey you need. Mm -hmm. to have an effective data management structure. Yeah, what I see is that a lot of pharmaceuticals are just in the first step to collecting opt-ins. Mm -hmm. And what I see is that if we advise them also on how they are going to ask for consent, what kind of introduction they do of their company, how they can elaborate on their capabilities... And starting a true dialogue, I see that the number of opt-ins is increasing. Okay. We, we have some examples that we, for a couple of pharmaceutical companies, we actually also help with the collecting, not mm -hmm. only with our platform, also with the collecting, is that we reach around 70 or 80% of opt-ins under GPs, but also on the specialists. And that has to do with bringing value, being patient also, because... Collecting opt-ins is a long-term process. Oh, of course. Yeah. Also to, to maintain it. But what I see is that if you bring value or if you make it easy, but also use different channels, what is also very uh, nice to say is that, for example, the phone channel, so engaging with HEPs or their assistants via phone is very effective. Mm -hmm. Besides that, you can send an email, of course, uh, once you have a consent or have remote engagement of remote meetings or HEP platforms where you can attract them to give their consent. I see that calling is a very, if you talk with younger people to say, ah, that's an old fashioned channel, but it's still very effective. And it's also a personal, very personal channel to really have a dialogue with HEPs about what they need. And it works perfectly. So that's for me also an eye opener that that works very well. Yeah, I would say I would agree with you on this because I feel like digital channels are overloaded and our attention yeah. is right? Especially like younger generations, they like, you know, they don't like receiving phone calls. But if the phone call is scheduled, you know, and yeah. then expected, then I think it's very much welcome. Helps you build a unique perspective and like unique conversations yeah. like with you, right? We can talk years via email, but once we meet and we actually speak with voice, it's a different thing, you know, it gives you a different perspective of a person yeah. right and i think it's important in pharma in business overall yeah yeah and what's also working with of course you receive opt-outs from hps and everybody's complaining then and is getting nervous about oh we got an opt-out mm -hmm. but it's also a very nice signal to take the phone and have a discussion or a dialogue with the doctor why he was opted out and we have also some examples that we turned around 40% of the opt-outs back to an opt-in mm -hmm. because it was just a detailed 
thing where they're not were satisfied about the frequency of some white paper they received. And by having the new dialogue over the phone, they said, okay, if you send me this, then I want to opt in again. Ah, okay. So, so it's an opt-out is not the end of the world. It's, sometimes it can also be very clear. So this person is not relevant, is not interested in what we do. But also you can turn an opt-out into an opt-in. But if you have a, a compelling story to convince them that you can be relevant and that they have to give their data again because they're convinced. Correct. Like it's sort of a wake-up call. So if you were yeah. doing homework well, this is like a wake-up call. I opt yeah. out. No, up your game, sir. Exactly, exactly. So yeah. that are a couple of examples that really say something about the effectiveness. And of course, yeah, later on, is you have to maintain opt-in. What I always see also is that it seems like that some of pharmaceutical companies think, okay, I have an opt-in and now I'm rich. <laughs> Let me tell, yeah. But, but then, 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 then the real game starts because you have to maintain opt-in. And maintaining mm-hmm. opt-in is that you based on what you agreed, that you have a digital or an offline conversation throughout the time to show that you're, and to demonstrate that you can be relevant. And what we also see, if you don't interact for a long time with a doctor, say you go and opt in on the 1st of January and you don't do anything to engage with them, that in two months or something, they opt out because they say, okay, I don't receive something, so let's skip. Yep, correct. So you have to be very keen on that once you have an opt-in, that the doctor expects something from you. Correct. And don't sit down and think, okay, I have an opt-in, so I reached my KPIs and we're finished now. No, you have to start the game then. Yeah, it's just the first date, you know, it's just... Yeah, it's like dating. (laughs) It's just the first day. It's not marriage yet. So, you you know, you still got a lot to prove, you know? Exactly. No, but I think that's a perfect comparison. It's like dating with, yeah, with a girl or... With a guy, you know. It's uh, Yeah, very much. It's a good parallel, good analogy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dating world. <laughs> okay, I have my last question, basically, which is, you know, sort of like advice. Now, what's the advice you can give to companies who are, like, struggling with, like, constant management? And maybe how can you help them? I have a lot of advices, but my main advice is if I look to the market now and the, the conversations I have with uh, pharmaceutical companies, really shape a good consent management strategy. Mm. And that means that you really think, okay, what do I want from the doctor? And also which channels I'm going to use to collect and maintain consent? Which value can we bring? Do we have to make differentiations for what purposes we collect data, but the privacy officer can elaborate on that and do it together, do it together with the team. Mm -hmm. With the team members I mentioned, uh, I think 30 minutes ago, because that's truly the best starting point to make it an integral part of your digital transformation because it's very important, consent. It's the start of the engagement. Yeah, you don't... uh... Well, of course, you need a single source of proofs and of course uh, you need systems and we also provide of that. But but my main advice is start with a well-taught consent management strategy because that's very important. And that doesn't have to last months or half year. I think you can do that in a couple of meetings with each other, with the whole team. 
to really shape that. And then you're going to look to technology, to processes, to leave pieces, the way you communicate. So basically alignment first, align first, and yeah. then tools, tech stack and so on. Yeah, because data is flowing through your company and it ticks all the departments. And at the end, it's important that the data you get, that your output is something that the doctor expects from you. So you have to be very aligned on that as a team. It's a cross-functional challenge. Exercise. The opt-in challenge. Okay, cool. Martin, thanks for all the advices. I think our listeners have heard a lot about constant management and opt-in. Yeah, it was a pleasure to do that. Yeah, and uh, well, listen, maybe we can shoot another episode in a year from now and then see what changed in the market and you can give us yeah. some future predictions about that. Yeah, yeah. Let's elaborate on that. Let's see how it is on May 24. All right. Thank you, Martin, very much. Have a good one. Okay, bye.